0: Hi, good morning, man. How are we doing? We're doing all right? All right, good. I'm excited about this morning. I'm excited to be in Romans 10 with you. Let me just, let's just jump right in. Um, and let's maybe not start with the most exciting question of all time, but has anyone here ever won Yard of the Month in, their, in your homeowner association? Mark, well done. Terry, we've got a couple, four. Hey, well done. Um, I've never won that. I have never been accused of keeping a good yard, nor will I ever be accused of keeping a good yard. But in 2015, I wanted to do something about it. And so I was like, man, my yard looks terrible. Where My kids were wanting to start a little garden. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to try this thing. And so, I mean, it was February, and I got after it for about six weeks in a row. I pruned everything in my yard that I didn't want growing. Uh, I pulled up weeds that, that had been stuck there for a long time. And, and, and man, I just started to spend hours just trying to get rid of stuff and do all this stuff. And uh, we planted this little garden on the side. It was We, we kind of got uh, tomato plants that were ready to go, and we kind of planted those. And, and, man, after six weeks of work, I was like, all right, let's see what this produces. And uh, a couple weeks later, a couple months later, and my yard was in complete disrepair again. And I was like, what is going on? And so I went to Lowe's. Uh, and I was talking to a guy, and I was like, "Hey, this is all the things I've done, man. I've trimmed down everything I'm supposed to. I've pulled up everything I'm supposed to." Uh, and he goes, "Well, he goes, what fertilizer are you using?" And I was like, "I'm not using any fertilizer." He's like, "Well, hey, he's he come here and let me give you these two things. I want you to start using these." And then he's like, "What pre-emergent did you use?" And I was like, "Pre what?" And <laughs> He's like, a pre-emergent, you're supposed to do this. And he goes, look, for, for the fall, you need to start having a pre-emergent now. And so he gave me a couple other things. And he goes, are you using any cornmeal? And I'm like, man, I'm not doing anything on this end. Uh, and he goes, well, that's some of your problem. And so he gave me uh, kind of all these different things and he rung up all this stuff. And it was gonna be like a couple hundred bucks. And I just was like, man, I cannot afford to do this, and I, I just looked at him. I was like, "Bro, I just want a couple of good tomatoes." At the end of the day, I don't have 200 bucks. That's not worth 200 bucks. And so I literally kind of w- rejected his offer and walked away. And he just, as I was walking away, he said, "He goes, if you if you don't like the fruit, you got to work on the roots." And I was like, "Still not going to spend 200 bucks," but I like that quote. And uh, <laughs> and so if you don't like the fruit, you got to work on the roots. If you look at Israel, right, as we kind of jump into Romans 10. Israel was this nation that had a lot of great fruit at one point. Derek talked about it last week, right? They had the patriarchs. They, 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 they had God's presence and glory that accompanied them. They had the law. They had the covenants. They had all these different promises that, that came along with it. But they forgot the root of those things. They began to think that they were the special thing and not, it was, not that it was God's grace. They began to think that it was about their race, not God's grace. And so they lost sight of the root And as they lost sight of the root, as they wandered from the grace of God, the fruit began to change in Israel. God, in his mercy, brought some prophets into Israel's life to kind of give them some warnings and go, hey, if you keep going this direction, you're not going to like what you got. And Israel said, thanks, but no thanks, and they kept walking away. That's what we're going to kind of look at in Romans 10. And I think the same is true if we look at America today, right? Anyone upset with what happened last week? D.C. in the Senate Judiciary Hearing, but the truth is that's just a long line of fruit, and this is the latest one, and if we don't like the fruit, we got to get to work on the roots Um, because, look, we always hate the fruit that rejection brings, but we don't want to do anything about the root. And so there's four aspects of rejection that we want to look at today. Three of them are in your books, Um, and, and it's true for Israel, it's true for America, and it's true for you and me. And the first is this, that there's always a reason for that rejection. We're going to look at the reason for rejection. Our second we're going to look at, and when we get to verses 5 through 17, we're going to look at the remedy for rejection. There's only one remedy for rejection. Three, we're going to look at what if we don't take that remedy. We're going to see the results of rejection. And then the fourth one that I'm adding for verse 21 is there's always repentance that's offered with and in rejection. And so let's jump in um, as, as Derek mentioned last week, Romans 9 through 11 is one argument, right? In Romans 9, we looked at kind of God's sovereignty and kind of Israel being rejected. In Romans 10, we're going to see that man has a responsibility bumped right up. And I don't know where one ends and the other begins a lot of times, but we are too responsible. Just like Israel was responsible, we too are responsible. And so as we jump into Romans 10, let me actually back up a couple of verses. Romans 9, verse 30, I start reading. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is a righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They replaced God's grace and they tried to put their righteousness in as the root. They took one of the pieces of fruit that was supposed to be a blessing, the law, which was supposed to be a blessing in their life, and they tried to make it a root that they earned their salvation through, and it did not work out for them. It says in verse 2, Romans 10, it says, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And here's your reason for rejection every time, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness. They became enamored with the law. They tried to produce their own righteousness. This is Israel. And they thought it was by works through the law. Instead, it's always by grace through faith. Always by grace through faith in Christ's righteousness. You look at kind of my roots. Um, like me in gardening, I wanted the fruit that God offers in my life. I was a believer when I was 14, and, and I started with kind of that great root of the gospel, the great root of the good news. And yet, almost like the parable of the good seed, I didn't nurture the gospel in my life. And the root of the gospel got kind of entangled and eventually intertwined and then eventually kind of sucked dry by a root of the love of money, by the root of love of comfort, by the root of love of pleasures, any number of other things, kind of choked out the only root that would have surpassed in my life and I didn't plant alongside the gospel a love for God's word I didn't plant alongside the gospel a desire to yield to Christ's spirit and instead those roots that I had planted instead of began to produce an output in my life that I didn't like and I would return to God and yet I found Christ um, waiting on me every time but like in Lowe's Like with the gardener trying to help me, I listened to the costs, and I just decided that they were too costly. I didn't want to give up my own comfort. I didn't want to give up my own pleasures. I didn't want to give up my own desires, and I walked away. In essence, I kind of rejected Christ in that moment. I was ignorant of him, entirely ignorant, and I missed it. I thought it was too expensive what he was asking me to do, but I'll tell you what's too expensive. The fruit that came after that, the lying, the stealing, the deceiving the destruction to my relationships the broken trust all of those things that stuff is too expensive that's the costly things in america we've had our share of blessings like to think of some of the roots that america was founded with and i'm not even i'm talking kind of pre declaration of independence right when the puritans came over we had a foundation of faith here in this country we had freedom to worship here In this country and we liked what it produced at first but then we kind of fell in love with the fruit and we forgot the roots we had long seasons of seeming peace but over the centuries the truth is we've wandered and like last week was just a just another piece of fruit i mean look at the tree look at just kind of the fruit that's been in america the last couple of years any number of those things and i could have listed 100 and 200 other things we look at those things and we go yes that's what's wrong in america the the Roe v. Wade, that's what's wrong in America. Obersfeld, that's what's wrong. The fact that we've been assaulting women as men, that's what's wrong in America. And we look at those things and go, that's what's wrong. But that's not what's wrong. If we don't like the fruit, we've got to work on the roots. You want to know the roots of what has happened. These are the roots. This is what's happened. is we've started to live for self and not Christ, we stopped caring for individuals. Look at those first two on the left, or the first two or three, Manifest Destiny. What do we think, right? We were a a nation that was so proud of our patriotism that we thought we deserved to go to the West and blow through millions of Native Americans along the way. That was our land, it was our right. We thought that we deserved financial prosperity and so we said, hey, we're gonna take those people, we're gonna pay them just a little bit of money, they're gonna make us a lot of money. And we're gonna be satisfied with some of the fruit that it brings. We stopped caring for individuals, and then we are appalled when other individuals stop caring for individuals. We're appalled when Roe v. Wade gets announced and people have stopped caring for the unborn individual in the womb, but it's just another piece of fruit in what we've been doing for a long time. We thought that the American dream was better than the gospel, and so we began to pour our lives into other things, work and money. We began to tell people to look out for number one, and then we're surprised when gender dysphoria, and other things hit. As the church, we've stayed silent, right? As as, as the marriages in the church mirrored, the marriages outside the church, divorces started to come at the the same tune, 50%. Church stayed silent. We We got appalled when Obers fell versus Hodges fell, but the truth is we had stopped caring about marriage long before. And so I just want to encourage you this morning that we're not one Supreme Court justice away from changing America. We're not a change of control in the Senate or the House or the presidency from changing America. That's us trying to establish our own righteousness. The Jews wanted political salvation too, didn't they? What they needed was Jesus. Jesus. We want political salvation here, but what we need is Christ, and we need to submit to the full extent of his righteousness. We're ignorant of it, and that's the reason for rejection. So what's the remedy? The answer is simple. Let's look. Verse 5. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is... Based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. Look, the answer is not that somehow you try to work your way up to heaven. right the, the, What Paul's saying, the answer is not that somehow you can kind of climb up out of your Psalm 40 miry, pay, miry clay pit and try to clean yourself up. That's not the answer. The answer is a lot easier and it's a lot closer than we think. Verse 8, what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim because, here's the gospel, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, Republican and Democrat. For the same Lord is Lord of all and he desires to bestow his riches on all who call on him. Every last person. And look, here's the gospel. We can't work our way up to heaven. The gospel is that, 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 that the king of heaven came down. The gospel is not that somehow we can work our way out of the, the pit and clean us up. No, the gospel is that God demonstrates his love for us while we were still stuck in the pit. He pulled us up out of the pit, cleaned us off, dressed us in his righteousness, his son's righteousness. And we have that solution in us, right? We'll walk out of here with Bibles. We've got Bibles all over our house. We walk in with Bibles in our pocket as we sit next to coworkers in the office and we, we wonder why they keep struggling with the things that they're struggling with. And yet we have the answer in the word of God right with us. We can be that light. Because the truth is the gospel can change anyone in any way at any moment. And if the if gospel can change anyone in any way at any moment, that means the gospel could change everyone in every way at every moment. I had a buddy um, that I met in July that, that came here. His name was Brad. And Brad wasn't a believer, but he wanted to schedule a meeting with me, and he just said, hey, I, I'm, and so when we, we, we met, he just listed off some fruit in his life that wasn't good. He said, man, I've been addicted to gambling for so long. He said, uh, uh, I've got a lawsuit, uh, a significant lawsuit that I'm facing, and it's destroying my life and my family. Can't find a job he goes, I disagree with the church's stance on homosexuality and pornography and, and, and just all these other different things of the fruit. And we just, he just listed off more and more fruit. And you know how long I spent talking about his lawsuit, his gambling addiction, his pornography, pornography stance? I spent about .5% of my time talking about those things. I spent 99.5% of my time talking about the gospel and sharing the gospel over and over with him. As we got done meeting, I, you know, he was uh, in my own kind of small-minded heart, I was like, you know, I probably won't see Brad again, but I'm going to at least make sure he has a Bible. I asked him, I said, hey, do you have a Bible? He said, no. And I said, hey, let me go get your Bible. And I said, hey, read the Gospel of John for me. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down every question you have about who God is, who you think you are in God, and what Christ did for you. And I just said, write down whatever questions you have. And so he walked away, and uh, and just kind of I just said a little prayer for Brad, and then frankly forgot about him. A couple of days later, he reached out to me, um, and he said, "Hey, what do you want me to read next?" And I was like, I was like, "Read the whole book. Read the whole Gospel of John, you know?" And, uh, and he goes, "I did." And he said, "I've, wrote, I've got 50 questions for you." And I was like, oh, gosh, okay. I was like, well, let's schedule a meeting for a couple days. And I said, why do you do that? He's like, what do you want me to read? And so I was like, all right, well, you like history so much, let's go read Acts and kind of do this. And I sat down with him. He had 50 questions, and every answer I had for him was the gospel just over and over again. I kept putting the gospel in front of him. He wanted to sometimes talk about something else. I was like, we're going to talk about the gospel. Six weeks later, he came to know Christ, right? One of my favorite things about Brad, uh, actually two favorite things about Brad uh, is, he's Jewish, <laughs> that's Romans 11, we'll talk about that next week. Jews will be restored. My second thing, my favorite thing about Brad is all those things in his life, all the fruit, it, it's, it's amazing, it's begun to solve itself, right? He, he, as, we, as the gospel roots kind of uprooted some of the other things that he had planted, it's changed his outlook on everything, right? He's now coming to regeneration, working on his gambling struggle. right? He's, he's, he's facing his lawsuit, with peace. He understands where the church is coming from in many other ways now. And now, what's great is his wife, as he started to have his roots changed, his tree began to transform other people's tree. His wife started coming. She accepted Christ two weeks ago. He's brought multiple people from Gamblers Anonymous now on Tuesday nights at Region that they're coming, and I get to sit with him and do the same thing over and over again. The remedy is always the gospel. And you keep putting the gospel in front of people. Verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Look, a lot of times these verses get translated to mean, I I, I guess I better sail on a raft down the Amazon River and reach unreached people groups in the Amazon. That's not what's meant by this passage. Now, look, if, if, if you do that, that's great. That is needed. They, the people on the Amazon need to hear the gospel just as much as people next door to you. But this word preach, it's, this, is, this is stuff that we are supposed to do. It says in your notebook that, man, that preaching is not what I'm doing right now. Preaching is it's heralding the gospel. It's having personal conversations with people. That's what we're supposed to do. And I can tell you this. Your neighbors may know, your coworkers may know who Christ is. They may even recognize that he's, he's the son of God, but they do not know, many of them do not know the gospel, the good news, what his life actually means for them. They think that they still have to live in such a way that it earns his favor. And they need someone to preach, to have a personal conversation with them. Because look, the truth is we're not, uh, a, a rhetoric-filled Facebook post from change in this nation, right? That's just not what we're in. It's not what we're away from. Look, and we should be a people that speak up. We should speak into what's going on in D.C. We should speak into um, defending the unborn. We should speak into defending marriage. We should do all of those things. But the gospel is that we've got to change one person at a time. We don't just try to sober people up with, with some sort of legislation. We try to set them free. John Wesley, I love this quote. He said, give me 100 men. Give me 100 men who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. And I don't care whether they're clergymen or whether they're laymen because with such men, the gates of hell will not prevail and the kingdom of heaven will be set up here. Give me a 100 men. I look around the room. I'm thinking I think there's 100 men in here. There may be 200 men in here. How were your neighbors, how were your colleagues here if they have not had someone preach to them? What are the results of rejection? Verse 18, but I ask, have they not heard, talking about Israel, indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the earth. But I asked, did Israel not understand? First, First Moses said, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Look, just on a note, just so you don't get confused, because some people sometimes do in this area, that um, America is not the new Israel. America is a Gentile nation that has been rescued. God has come to us as he has come to any number of other nations so that we might carry forth. And then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I've been found by those who did not seek me like those in America, and I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. I'll tell you the results of rejection is you'll miss out on the great blessing of being used by Christ. That's the result you will miss out on the great blessing because the truth is God is going to use some nation, he's going to use some church in that nation, and he's gonna use some men in that church and that nation to change the nation because when God transforms the nation, he always starts with his people. He always starts with his people. We just need 100 men. He's gonna use someone. You know, I, I did watch last week, I, when I got home, I was putting my kids to bed, and then I just kind of sat and I watched the testimony, I listened to the senators, and, uh, and I'll just be honest, I, I wasn't angry. I wasn't angry, at least not at D.C. I'm being honest here, I literally walked to my mirror and I looked at the mirror and I was mad at myself. And in that moment, I began to repent. You see, you want to be mad at somebody, you want to be mad at senators in D.C., you want to be mad at politicians, you want to be mad here, you want to be mad, I think you've got to direct some of that anger towards me, because I haven't done all that I could do this year. My family typically invites neighbors over on Sunday nights, share our lives with one another, we have gospel conversations with them. We haven't done that this year we got these little cards, we've got some up front if you want to grab some, but we, my, my top 10 card, I don't even know where my top 10 card is right now, just people that I'm actively praying for, that I'm actively trying to engage, go grab coffee with, go have lunch with. You want to be mad at someone, you'd be mad at me for not doing that. These little watermark invite cards, I, for like three years i had been handing out three to five of these a week, I'm not even sure I've handed out five this year. Tell you what's wrong there's a root and it's in my heart as that i am not working on the root problem i'm just frustrated with the the fruit you don't like the obersfeld ruling on marriage well the truth is you should be mad at me i was largely silent many years ago when my parents got divorced I was largely silent when my sister followed suit a year later Just so many times i haven't lived for the gospel as i should have I'll say it again, I didn't like the fruit, but I haven't done anything or not as much as I could on the roots, and so how about you? How have you been sharing the gospel over meals? Is that what you're doing? How have you been doing it, praying for your top 10 cards? How have you been doing about inviting people to this campus so that they might be introduced to the gospel? Look, man, it can be costly. It can be costly at times to invest in others. Cost Jesus' life. It can be costly, but the lives that we're destroying in this country is it's more costly. So give me 100 men that are willing to fear nothing but sin, desire nothing but God. and Let's see what he does in this land. Verse 21. I think a lot of times when, when we think of rejection, we think of this just painful, lopped off, God's totally disregarded us, and that's not the case at all. God says of Israel, I think if he says it of America, I think he says it of you and me, he says this, verse 21, all day long I've held out my hands to a disobedient and a contrary people. All day long, I haven't, I haven't left. You've walked away from me. I'm the gardener that said, here it is. This is the solution, come follow me. And we've walked away. And so even as there's been rejection by us, God keeps offering repentance, saying, come, be gathered in my arms what does that look like for us? What does that look like for us and our neighbors and our colleagues and those of us? I skipped verse 1 for a reason, Romans 10. It says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for them. For Paul, it was his, his kinsmen, the Jewish people, is that they may be saved. That we have our arms open to them. Just going, hey, this is the solution. You, you, you're walking, you want this, you want this. I'm telling you, this is the path. Paul says in just the chapter before, man, I wish that I would be accursed if my kinsmen would get it. And we've got to have that type of passion for the people that are in our neighborhoods, that are in our workplaces, that live in the city with us. And I'm telling you, I think we'll create a different kind of tree in this land. And it might look and sound a lot like this. Spirit of the Lord of God would be upon us, and because the Lord has anointed us to bring good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the broken heart, and you can throw up the tree. Put that up there. There'd be liberty proclaimed to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. We'd begin to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all those who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. And it would be an oak of righteousness, the planting of which is the Lord, so that God may get the glory. And we, we would build up the ancient ruins, and they shall raise up the former devastations, and they shall repair the ruined cities and the devastations that had been caused by previous generations. Strangers will begin to stand and tend your flocks. They will be, people will begin to live out the one another's of Scripture. You will be called the priests, the priests of the Lord. There will be a kingdom of priests in this nation. You shall speak as the ministers of our God. Instead of shame, there will be a double portion. And therefore in the land, they shall possess this double portion and they shall have everlasting joy. Double portion of honor and everlasting joy. And there's your roots. Christ's love, God's word, God's Christ's spirit, and God's people. Just give me 100 minutes.